Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. And I want to read today from Exodus uh, chapter 3. Uh, this thought the, the Lord kind of laid on my heart a few weeks ago, well, several weeks ago, actually, and it's just kind of been, I don't know, putting it on the back burner. And um, uh, I think finally had some time at the house with everybody gone. Both kids ended up being gone and just, uh, I don't know, just kids actually went through the thoughts that he had given me. So I want to share them with you today. Uh, and starting in verse 1 of Exodus 3, It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not draw near this place. Take, off your, sand- take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your presence in this place, God. We just want to honor you in all that we do, and we just ask your blessings upon this message. In Jesus' name, amen. So I kind of, uh, I just want to ramble a little bit today, uh, if that's okay. Um, I, uh, I usually like to always give you something to think about, and uh, I usually try to give you something to apply uh, with that message, but uh, today it will probably just be something to think about. Uh, and uh, I'm kind of going to complain a little bit. I'm not really complaining, but it's going to sound like it. And I guess in a way I am, but it's, it's nobody in mind. And it's definitely not this church in mind. It's just some things I've seen around the church in general uh, in different places. Um, so hopefully this makes a little bit of sense. But I want to talk to you on the thought of barefoot believers. And um, so to get to the point of this message, I guess I first need to start with uh, a, a question. And the question is, why did Mo- Moses take his shoes off? And so we know the scripture says, God told him, said, uh, don't draw near this place, take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. So why did Moses take his sandals off? And we're all going to say, oh, it's because the ground he was standing on was holy ground. But what I want to propose to you is that the real answer to the question is, it doesn't matter why, because God told him to. Yeah. 
It really doesn't matter what the reason is. God told him to do it, so that's why he needs to do it. And it doesn't matter what we think about things. All that matters is what God said. And uh, if God said it, we need to do it. And so the thought behind the barefoot believers, I guess, is kind of this. If this were God today talking to a modern-day Christian, um, I wonder how many would say, oh, no, God, it's fine. I don't need to take my shoes off. These shoes are brand new. These shoes, I've only worn them five times. They're clean. It's okay. It's not going to hurt anything for me to leave my shoes on. It's, there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, I don't want to get my, I've got brand new socks on. I don't want to get them dirty. Uh, you know, whatever excuse you can think of, you know, I don't really, God, you know, the whole removing shoes thing, you know, today it's really not necessary. We don't do that anymore. Uh, and so the question when it now comes to where's the respect in the church that there once was and that there, and that there should be? Where are all the barefoot believers that are willing to do whatever God says, no matter what anybody else thinks, no matter whether there's a real reason to it or not, other than God said to do it? Why does it seem that a lot of Christians have lost respect and fear for, for God and uh, for the house of God? And anytime I say church, I'm not talking about the bride of Christ. I'm going to be talking about, you, you know what I mean by that. Um, but we've lost all fear. Psalms 89 verse 7 says, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints. That's us. It says, and to be held in reverence by all those around him. There was a day when God was reverenced by all, even those that didn't go to church. And it was in this country at least. But it seems like things have changed a lot. Now there's not even any fear among the saints when it comes to God. There's no, there's no respect. What has happened to our reverence for God and for the house of God? Are we being reverent, barefoot believers, or do we just want things our way and with our convenience? Is our lack of reverence and our lack of respect the reason that we have a lack of power in the church today, unlike some, of the, some in the past? And, you know, things have changed a lot in the church, even since I was a kid. I'm, I'm 44 years old. I'll be 45 in August. So I'm not a young kid anymore, but I'm not that old. And uh, a lot of stuff is not the way it used to be. And same thing, I'm not, I'm not picking on anybody, and I didn't like a lot of the rules back then either. But when I was uh, a kid, uh, there was no eating in the sanctuary. And maybe you remember that. You could eat all you wanted outside the doors, but there was no eating in, in the sanctuary. And very few people even chewed gum inside the sanctuary. I was in a service one time and the preacher called somebody out and told them to go spit that gum out. And when they got back in, he wanted to pray for them. That, that, that's embarrassing. Uh, but, but it was, you know, it, they, it just didn't happen. And you did not run in church. And your mom, you didn't have to wait for your mom to catch you because before you could make it 10 yards, three adults had already got on to you. And usually it was one of those mean looking ushers looking down at you. You didn't get away with it. And now, look, I don't think it's horrible to eat in the sanctuary. I don't think it's a terrible thing. But what I do think is that we've gone from, well, that's not a big deal. It's not going to hurt anything to just taking things way too far and anything goes. And uh, that's dangerous. And 
really I don't get caught up in little things, but it's still, it's still a point. I, we've taken it too far, and you might think that some of those uh, old rules were just too strict. They were just too much. They were just over the top. That's okay. I think the same thing. I think a lot of those old rules were too much. But as I look back, I realize now that a lot of those rules, even though they may have been too much, they taught us respect and they taught us reverence for God and for the, for the house of God. And today it seems like m many people of all ages, not, not just kids, because I'm not picking on any kids today. It's just what I remember mostly as, from growing up in the church. But, but they've lost all respect and reverence for everything, including God. And we aren't supposed to be that way. We should be barefoot believers. We should respect His presence. We should be willing to do whatever it takes to be in His presence and experience His presence and steward His presence well. But unfortunately, many people don't seem to think honor and respect for God or for the house of God uh, are important. Um, when, we did, when we were doing impact for 10 years, 10 long years of setting up and tearing down, Dad and I were usually, probably 99% of the time, we were the first ones to the church every Sunday. He was the only one that had the key, so we were always the first ones in anyways, even if some of the guys beat us every now and then, which rarely happened. But when we, he would go one way, I would go the other, and we would have to turn everything on and check everything there. And what's crazy is usually at least twice a month, maybe three times a month, you wouldn't believe what we would find in those bathrooms. We cleaned up more urine and poop than you, than you, than you would want to even imagine. Uh, and it was the men and the women's bathrooms. And the thing about it is some of the stuff we found in those stalls, if you came to my house and did something like that, first off, I'm never going to invite you back. And if I know you well enough, I'm going to call you up and ask you what's wrong with you. And... So, but people have this idea of, oh, somebody gets paid to clean that. Oh, somebody else will take care of that. Uh, they, they probably thought of it maybe more like a public restroom, which I don't even agree with doing it in a public restroom and leaving a mess in a stall for somebody else to clean up. But it's the house of God. If you're at God's house, would you do that to his toilet? Yes, they will. They will do it. Many people will. Um, I think I may have told you this one, but I'll tell it again. We, we went in there one time, and Dad called me in there, and he made me take care of this one. I mean, we had to buy rubber gloves and cleaning stuff just for this on Sundays. And they, for some reason, they made the mistake of putting these little, uh, they, they bolted these, like, they're basically trash cans on the side of the stalls. And so, uh, in the women's bathroom, and... That some, uh, some lady that had been there, I mean, she was in a bad way, obviously. But uh, she left an adult diaper stuffed in there. And uh, she had to have urinated about a half a gallon, I'm estimating, because uh, water weighs about, what is it, eight pounds a gallon? Isn't that right? And this thing weighed at least five when I picked it up out of there. And I'm having to pick it up out of there and run to the trash can and then clean up, you know, everything that goes along with it. We thought about, we thought about quitting the ministry that Sunday, honestly. Dad tried to convince me. And, uh, 
But the whole thing about it was is that she thought somebody else would take care of it. And I'm sure she's probably the sweetest lady you would ever meet. And maybe it was just an honest mistake, but more than likely it was a lack of respect. Because a lack of respect don't make you, doesn't make you a bad person. We all get in those, these habits and we forget to respect our, our spouse or even our parents or, what, or, what, or any, any, anyone it could be. But we would, we would find things like that. One time uh, we were there one Sunday and Heather comes and gets me and she says, something's wrong with the toilet. I'm thinking, oh, no, I can only imagine. But I go, and it, it wasn't flushing right. And I said, I called the lady we rented from, and I said, hey, do you, are you on sewer or septic tank? She said, we got a, they're on a giant septic tank at this place. I said, oh, my goodness, your septic tank's got to be full. Well, a couple days later was going to be Valentine's Day. They had a huge banquet that, that was planned, this big event they were going to have happen. And uh, I don't remember if she called or she came by uh, after that, but she, uh, I told her, we told everybody don't use the bathroom unless you absolutely have to, and uh, we made it through the Sunday. When she got back up with me, they had gone, and I was right. The septic tank was full and about to overflow back, uh, back up into the building, and uh, she was thanking me. She said, if you wouldn't have told me, we would have had a mess at that event, and the thing about it was is just a couple days before we were in the building, somebody else used it. But they didn't think it was important enough to say something about the issues that were going on. And forget their concern about another group of people, but what same thing. What about it being the house of God? Who wants sewage backing up into the house of God? But people, they've lost uh, respect and they've lost, lost reverence, and it's, it's crazy. And I know that this so far maybe sounds like a lot of foolishness, but the church is full of foolishness these days. And it's really uncalled for. And so could there be so much foolishness in the church because we've stopped respecting God? We've stopped respecting the things of the Lord. We've stopped respecting the ways of the Lord. And we've stopped respecting the house of the Lord. Proverbs 1 verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now think about that. The fear of the Lord is knowledge. Maybe we're having a lot of foolishness because we're lacking knowledge. Maybe we're lacking knowledge because we have no fear of the Lord anymore. And it just seems to keep getting worse and worse. It's, it kind of sounds like there's a choice here. We can either be barefoot believers like we're supposed to be and fear and respect God, or we can be a bunch of fools. Unfortunately, there's a lot of groups of fools gathering every week. I'm not pointing any fingers. I don't have anybody in mind. I'm just saying there's a lot of crazy stuff that, that, that goes on. Um, it, it's unbelievable how many fools are hanging around the church these days. And they really don't care about going after God. All they care about is making sure they get to go to heaven. They don't really, they've never really fallen in love with Jesus. They just try to stay paid up on their insurance. They could, they could care less about being in His presence. They're just hoping they can learn how to get blessed. You've probably seen some like that. There are a lot of churches out there that all they talk about is the blessings of God and how you can receive a blessing for God and how you can obtain a blessing from God. And, and God does want you to be blessed. He wants to bless us. We need to know about the blessings of God. But what our number one desire should always be is just Him. We should have a heart for Him. We should have a desire to go after Him. And see, it gets to this place where... 
Everyone seems to want to judge people now about uh, based on how much money they have and how much stuff they own. All this, these kind of things. In the same, same way, people want to judge churches. They want to judge churches by how many people they have on Sunday and how nice the building is and how much property they own and how much money's in the bank. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with having any of those things. In fact, I kind of want them all. I hope you do too. There's nothing wrong with that. I, w- I would love to have all of those things. But what I want us to understand today is that there's a higher place in God than just being blessed. There's a higher place you can be in God than just the blessing. It's a place of obedience. It's a place of praise. It's the place of His glory. It's the place of His presence. And it's very important for us to grasp that because I don't know if you've ever ran into anyone like this, but I have a few times in life. You, this person, and God has just blessed them like crazy, up to the eyeballs and blessings, yet it's almost unbearable to be around that person. And uh, the reason is because they have the same bad attitude they had before they were ever blessed. The same bad habits, same bad tendencies. See, here's the problem with just going after the blessing of God. Well, among other things. But you go after the blessing without the presence and glory of God, you're going to have trouble because, see, a person can live in the blessing and not change. But when you're in His glory and you're in His presence, change is going to happen. Some people don't want change. They just want the blessing. Some people, it's just the truth. But you can live in the blessing and not change. That's why you can see blessed people having all kinds of problems, blessed churches having all kinds of problems, which kind of people are problems, so you're always going to have problems, I guess, to an extent. But when the presence of God really shows up, people are going to change. They're going to change or they're going to leave, one or the other. You see, it's when His glory, when we're experiencing His glory that it begins to change a person. But so many people never enter that place because they have no fear of the Lord. They have no respect for His presence. They have no desire for His presence because so many of us want to just serve God on our terms. And they, they won't ever admit it, or I guess we won't ever admit it, but we're just worried that God might... We're worried He might show up and do something or ask us to do something that's going to interfere with our plans or going to make us uncomfortable instead of making sure that we're the ones that aren't doing something that's interfering with His plans and something He's wanting to do. We want things done our way. In 2 Samuel uh, chapter 6, we have David with the Ark of the Lord, Ark of the Covenant. It says, uh, verses 1 through 10 says, And again, again David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill in Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the new cart. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God. And Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments of fir wood, on harps, on stringed instruments, on tambourines, on sistrums, on cymbals. And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God to and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there 
for his error, and he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah, and he called the name of the place uh, Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day, and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him to the city of, into the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. Now, in this passage of Scripture, they're gonna, they, he's going after the, the ark, which represents the presence of God. That's a good thing. He's, he wants the presence of God. He wants to bring it back with him to the city of David. He wants to bring it home. Don't you want to experience the presence of God and bring it home with you? It's what he wants to do. Except there's a problem here. He wants to do it his way, just like many of us want to do it. God, I want you, but I, want it my, I need it my way. I'm not going to take these shoes off. And so we know if you go back and you read uh, the writings of Moses, the way the ark was supposed to be handled, it had rings in the side of it, which were supposed to have poles that went through it, and it was supposed to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. It was never supposed to be carried on a cart. It doesn't matter if it's a brand new cart. It doesn't matter how pretty the cart is. It's not supposed to be carried on the cart. And so he puts it on the cart, and now we've got problems. Uzzah puts his hand out and touches it. Now, Uzzah was Abinadab's son. Uh, it's not in there, but I think earlier on it says that the ark had been at Abinadab's house, I believe it was 20 years. I may be wrong on that, but I think it's something like that, something like 20 years. And so we don't know his age, but there's a good chance that that ark had been at his house the majority of his life. And so it's just familiar to him. He's used to seeing it around. It's just like another piece of furniture. And so he doesn't think anything about putting his hand out. What's happened is he's gotten so familiar with it that he's forgotten to respect it. And that's what's happened to a lot of people. There's a lot of people, they don't know anything about the presence of God, and so they just, they, they just think that they can do it their way, and God's supposed to just show up. And then there's some of, that have been around the church that have experienced the presence of God. They've witnessed the presence of God. They've lived with the presence of God, and they've gotten so familiar with the presence of God, they disrespect it more than the ones who don't know what they're doing. And we get in this vicious cycle because this wasn't the way that the ark was supposed to be handled. Even though the Philistines, when they had captured it, they, they took it off on a cart, but they're the sinners. They didn't know any better. The people of God are supposed to know the way the presence of God is to be handled, and that's with respect and reverence. doesn't mean we get everything right, but we do everything out of re respect. See, this was not a matter of the heart because David was a man after God's heart. He was very sincere. He was after the presence of God. He was trying to do the right thing. But the problem was that David did not properly carry the glory of God because he wanted to do it his way instead of the way God had instructed. Why did it need to be carried by the Levites? And why did it need to have the poles in it? Why couldn't it be put on an ark? doesn't matter. God said let put the poles in it and let the Levites carry it. doesn't matter why. It's what he, it's what he said, just like with taking off our shoes. Fortunately, David figured it out. He went back and he, he transplanted, uh, transported the glory the proper way. In uh, verse 11, it says, The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. 
So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. So he's going back after the ark. It says, and so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord, so he didn't bring a cart this time. He figured it out. Those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. It's funny, the first time was just celebrating. This time he's sacrificing. He changed it up a little bit. He's, he's, everything seems to be more reverent when you, when you read it. But then, then David danced. After, the, after that, then he danced before the Lord with all his might, and David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. He goes back and he does it God's way. He's still after the presence of God, but instead of his way, he, go, he goes and he actually handles the presence God's way. It's amazing how things change when we honor God and do it his way. There's a lot of us that are trying so hard to do things and to do things for the kingdom of God and to experience God, but yet we keep trying to do it our way. See, for too many of us, it's no longer important because when it comes to the presence of God, there's some people, they're not even after it. And the reason they're not is because they're so blessed. They're still all about living in that blessing instead of living in obedience. And they're so blessed that we feel like we don't need His presence. We don't desire His presence. We can do it on our own. Jill's uh, talking about the fire here this morning. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been anywhere like the, uh, to the Biltmore house or one of those uh, old, big old houses. And one thing you'll notice when you go somewhere like that is in every single room in that house, there's something in every room, a fireplace. Every room you go in has a fireplace. And uh, that's the way they used to build those, the big houses back then because the fire was important. The fire meant everything. So there was a time when it was like that in the church. That was the most important thing was the fire. And, uh, and so you go in there, and, they're, and they're, they're everywhere, and that, then it got to be where the fireplaces were kind of just in one room, usually in the living room. And uh, now a lot of houses don't even have a fireplace. If they do, it's like mine. It's fake. And uh, you have gas logs. You had gas logs in them for a while. So really what happens with gas logs is it looks like a fire. It feels warm, but really nothing's burning but a lot of hot air or hot gas. And then now, a lot of the new houses they're put, that they're putting fireplaces in, it's not even gas anymore. It's an electric fireplace. And many of them, there's not even a real flame. It looks like a flame, and there's not even any heat. And so there's definitely nothing burning. And see, that's what's happened in the church. We've gone from where it was important to everything was about experiencing the fire of God that then blessings started coming to the church and now, well, we can just do it this way. It looks the same. You can still feel the warmth, but really nothing's burning. And then after a few generations of that, we get to the place where now it's not, there's not even any heat, there's not even any fire, but guess what? It still looks like it. It makes everybody have the feeling like something's going on, but nothing's changing. There's not a difference being made in people's lives because there's, there's no fire. And then you, you get all the time. You, I remember hearing it as a kid. They were so worried about wildfires. You, maybe you've heard that. You've got to be careful because of, there's so much wildfire after that, uh, out there that can get you in trouble. And we've worried so much about wildfire, but what we should be worried about is no fire. Because it seems to be happening everywhere that you, everywhere that you go. 
There was a time when, when, when the ministers that were in the, behind the pulpit, they, they preached with fire and they preached. Not, I'm not talking about emotion. I'm not talking about just a lot of screaming and spitting, even though I've already spit about three times up here. I don't know what, something's going on with me. I usually don't spit too bad. But at least I'm not walking the aisles so then he gets on you. But, but now we don't even have pulpits. I don't even have one up here. We got a little one next door. We can move back over here if I need to. But, but and I'm just, I don't think you have to have a pulpit either. I'm not bashing on that. I'm just saying there was a time when, uh, when different things seemed to be important to us. And, and uh, is it all necessary? No, but a lot of it does go back to respect and reverence. There's just certain, certain things. We need to get the fire back in the church again. We need to understand the importance of it and the, the, the reverence of it. We've probably all heard someone say that the, <clears throat> the Holy Spirit uh, is a gentleman. You've probably heard that saying. And that's kind of the main point to this message. It's time we started treating him like one. And we need to treat him like a gentleman and stop treating him like a genie. That's not how this works. We, we have to understand the importance of reverence and, uh, and respect. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of respect. And if we want his presence among us, then we need to reverence him and do what he says. It's time for us to stop making excuses because we think our shoes are good enough to leave on and just do what he says. Be the barefoot believer He's called you to be. I wonder how many of us, we would never blatantly do anything uh, bad to the Lord. If we would, we, we wouldn't be here Sunday after Sunday. But I wonder how many of us have offended the Holy Spirit by, by His presence wanting to enter in a room, but we refuse to take off the shoes, whatever that may be in your life. Whether it's a bad attitude, whether it's a bad habit, whether it's a, a, a wrong thought process or stronghold in our minds, whatever it is. Uh, at, at camp meeting, in one of the morning services, the, um, the presence of the Lord showed up and uh, Bishop Schuler got up and he started talking about a book that he had read. I had never heard this before, and uh, so if it's wrong, blame him, but it was in this book. And it was talking about the difference between a dove and a pigeon. And it said that if a dove is resting somewhere or nesting somewhere and you go and you shoo it off, that it won't come back to that place. It'll find another place to rest. Okay? And it said, but a pigeon, you shoo it off, it'll come right back. You run it off, it'll come right back. It'll keep coming back uh, to the same place. And I think that's what's happened in the church, that we have we've neglected the Holy Spirit in the presence of God because we think we can do anything we want and then all we got to do when we have a bad day is just call on God and He's just going to show up. And we know that the dove represents the Holy Spirit. And there's so many people that they don't realize that they've offended the Holy Spirit in some of the things that they're doing. And the reason they don't realize it is because they think they can act any way they want and do anything they want and then they're satisfied with pigeon religion. That's the only way I know how to put it. And it's pretty much that it's over and over again. You can keep doing all you want, and that pigeon just keeps right on coming back. Those, those little things that you know, make you feel better about yourself, but there's still no change. But if you will just respect and be reverence to God and allow His Holy Spirit to come when the glory shows up, some, a lot of those things you're struggling with would go away. Now, I know this message seems like a lot of complaining. It's a little different for me in a way, but 
I want to see His glory. I want to see it in my life. I want to experience His presence. I want to experience the presence of the Lord. And I sure don't want something uh, uh, to not experience His presence because of something that I could have easily changed that I was just being hard-headed about. Because I know that some people are going to say that they don't see what the big deal is about some of these things. That's great. If you don't see what the big deal is about uh, being able to do this, good, don't do it. If it ain't a big deal, don't do it. If you don't see what the big deal is about, having a, a, about not doing something, great, then do it. If it ain't a big deal, do it. I've used that one on Stephen and Hannah, and they can't stand it. I don't see what the big deal is. Uh, why can't I go there? Oh, if it ain't a big deal for you to go there, fine, just stay home. It's not a big deal. <laughs> then they blow up. I thought it wasn't a big deal. It turns into a big deal real fast. When, uh, when, but, but think about in the church all the things over the years, because, look, it was so strict when I was growing up. It was ridiculous. It was crazy, especially when you're like me and you didn't grow very much. I didn't grow for like a number of years, and we weren't allowed to wear shorts. And so, so back in the 80s, weird things came out that were in style. This has nothing to do with the message, but weird stuff came out. And y'all remember those ugly, uh, like uh, those uh, jam shorts, those weird colored shorts? They didn't stay in style very long. Well, the problem was, is I wasn't allowed to wear shorts except on field day. I don't know if y'all remember field day or not in elementary school. And because I didn't grow, I had to wear them ugly jams for three years straight. <laughs> Mom wouldn't go buy me another pair of shorts because it seemed like a waste of money. I was only going to get to wear them one day. I wore them first through third grade. No, no. Kinda first through kindergarten, first and second grade. Third grade, I got, finally got a new pair of shorts because we moved. I, I guess I, I probably threw them away and didn't tell Mom. But... It would seem like it's so strict that people just got in this whole habit of trying to figure out what's okay and what's not okay. What if we just left all that alone and just went after God? Whatever it is. But we're, all, we're spending all this time trying to figure out, well, will God hold it against me if I do this? Will it be a sin if I don't do that? Instead of just saying, what's best to go after God? What puts me in the best position to experience His presence? What is that thing in my life that it's really not a big deal, but for some reason I keep making it a big deal? So it's simple. If it's not a big deal and it's something you need to do, do it. If it's not a big deal and it's something you need to stop, stop. And go after, go after God. Like I said, it's funny how those things will turn into a big deal that you thought weren't a big deal. And so what I want us to do, I want all of us to just search ourselves uh, today. I want us all to be barefoot believers. And whatever He reveals to you, we're going to just spend a few moments in prayer. Just do what He says. Whatever, whatever that thing is, whatever that thing in your life is that's, in, that, that's your way of telling God, no, I think I'll leave my shoes on. Stop doing that. Stop doing it. It's time to be obedient. It could be different for everybody in here. So some people will say, oh, it's not hurting anything for me to do this. It's not hurting anything for me to go here or go there. It's not a sin to do that. You're right. It might not be a sin. But are you sure it's not your way of keeping your shoes on? I don't think we'd have thought bad of Moses if he'd have left his shoes on. But it's not what God said. We've got to quit identifying ourselves with what's okay in the world. 
and what's a sin and what's not a sin. Who cares what's a sin and not a sin? I thought we were supposed to be born again going after God. We shouldn't even be worrying about sin. We should be con uh, conscious of what He's doing and what the Spirit's leading, not always sin conscious about everything. I can think of a time in my life where I know for certain one of the things of mine was sports. I was crazy over sports. Is there anything wrong with that? No. But it was for me. <laughs> there was for me when I was... Uh, well, I won't even get into it. I was pretty bad. And I don't know what he might reveal to me today because none of us are perfect. None of us have arrived. There's something that we can do or something that we can stop doing that would help our relationship with the Lord. It's just like with our, with our spouse or with our friends or anything else. No relationship is perfect because if it's perfect, we wouldn't need to keep working at it, right? And if you stop working on your relationship, I don't care how good it is, it'll go bad fast. It's something that we have to pursue. And it's the same way in the Spirit. We need to be pursuing Him. It's time for us to stop being bullheaded believers and start being barefoot believers. Start letting go of those things or taking up those things, whichever it is that He leads, so that we can live a life in His presence, so that we can be changed and other people can see the change in us and we can, they can experience that same thing. So this message I feel like is for everybody. That... I think I've made eye contact with almost everybody in here, and I haven't seen any perfect person yet. And so there's something, in, there's something in your life that God, He's not wanting to just take something from you. He's not wanting to add more work on you. He's wanting you to experience Him. He's wanting you to experience His goodness. He's wanting you to experience His love. And whether you know it or not, all the fulfillment you're looking for in this life is found in Him anyways. That's really the key to the desires that we have. And so it would be a whole lot easier if we just did what He said. So Father, we just bless Your name again today, God. Holy Spirit, I ask for You to just move upon Your people and begin to speak to hearts, God. Lord, we just repent for all those times we stood there stubbornly and tightened up the laces on our shoes instead of doing what You told us to do. God, we got to quit trying to figure everything out and quit trying to understand everything and just do what you said. Lord, your ways are higher than our ways, God, and you just, you're just perfect and we're not. So God, I just pray for every person here to just be open to receive what you're speaking to them, God. Whatever that thing is that we've been, that we've been struggling with, whether it's something that you've been prompting our heart to step out in faith, or if it's something you've been telling us over and over that that's no good for you, let it go. I just pray that we would, we would be the barefoot believers you've called us to be. I pray every person in here experiences your presence and your glory and is forever changed, God. Lord, help us to be like David, God. We've all tried to do it our way, but help us to find your way and to see it through and to not just give up. God, we thank you for it. Father, we just thank you for your presence in this place today, God. We thank you, Lord, and we just ask for you to send the fire again, God. We want to experience you, God. We want you, you are our number one desire. So I pray for every person today, God, as they go their way, Lord, that that fire will be lit inside of them like never before. God, a desire and a hunger that continues to increase 
And God, we won't let anything in this world get in our way because only you will satisfy, God. So, Lord, I just pray blessings over each one, Lord, and that we would just go after you with all that we are. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.